Ninja. Okay, well, hi everyone, and welcome back to Geography Ninja. And today I'm going to talk about pandemics. I'm going to talk about disease, the geography of disease, and most specifically, we will talk about the geography of the coronavirus or the novel coronavirus, which is currently uh, spanning 29 countries. I'm speaking to you. This is the. Um, 11th of February 2020 and um, yeah there is quite a spread and this made me just think you know we could actually look at the, the the geography of this and if you're anything like me I mean I've been washing my hands probably about 14 times a day I've got various hand sanitizers all over the place um, I've been wiping all my you know office door handles and all sorts of things so this is really it's it's become quite a big thing uh people are concerned but you know let's take take a step back let's look at the at the geography of this um let's think about how um the spread of uh viruses maybe you know can we can we link this to other areas of geography that we might be uh, looking at things like globalization um i have just been taking a look at some uh, some maps. This is how the virus spread around the world. If you want to get a handle on this, it's really interesting. I'm looking at the Guardian newspaper website. Uh, just updated Tuesday, 11th of Feb, and it's showing me. You know, starting off early in January in China, and then we've just got this global spread. So you know, by mid to late January, it's also in the US, in Thailand, Taiwan. Japan. By the time we get a week or so later, it's spreading to France, Malaysia, Nepal, Canada, Australia. By the time we get to the end of January, it's also moved to countries such as India and the Philippines, Italy, Russia, Sweden, UK. Early February, it gets to Spain and Belgium. So it really is a global spread. And it's you know, looking at this point, it's looking like, you know, give it another few weeks and we will have uh, full coverage really across the planet. I think from looking at the information I've got here in front of me, the only continent really not affected presently looks like Africa, but I could, I could be wrong. Anyway, so the, there's been this global spread. So I thought well, what we could do is just pull this apart um, a little bit and um, I think really to start with, we maybe need to just establish what do we mean by um, the word pandemic. And the, the, the word itself is comes from uh, ancient Greek or from, from Greek, uh, comes from the Greek word pandemos, uh, which means pertaining to all people, affecting all people, the Greek word pan apparently means all. Uh, the Greek word demos or demos uh, means people. So it's just basically it affects all the people. So a pandemic is it's really, we could call it, it's an outbreak of global proportions. And it's when we have um, something like a virus. Uh, you know, the coronavirus is called a, a novel virus. It's a new virus. And it becomes uh, able to spread very rapidly. 
Okay, so, um, well, I am, I'm a fan of the new Planet of the Apes films, actually, and there's a scene in Dawn of Planet of the Apes, uh, which is the second film in the trilogy, and this is where uh, you can see the simian flu spreading across the planet, and you've got all of these sort of lines going to different places on the map as um, people are sort of flying from one place to another. They're taking the the disease with them and um, what it results in is a drastic reduction in the human population of the planet. The only survivors uh, in that are the, the ones that have got some sort of genetic immunity to that virus. Um, so that, you know, recent film, really sort of graphic image of how a virus can spread around the planet. Now clearly that is science fiction and it's sort of something that's been created um in a lab i think if i remember rightly that uh, that particular um virus that happened but um you know over the last century or so we a couple of centuries there have been lots of documented pandemics that have had pretty dramatic effects and remember you know a pandemic is really it's an outbreak of global proportions so if you go back to the early 1800s there was a cholera epidemic uh started off in india and it developed into a pandemic once it sort of went beyond india's border particularly into china and other countries in asia and then about 100 years ago or just right at the end of world war one there was an influenza uh, epidemic. Now that this turned into a a, a pandemic by uh, 1918, I think called Spanish Spanish flu, um, spread around the whole world. Um, now, interestingly, you know, World War One, terrible four year conflict. Um, well, more people apparently died in the influenza epidemic at the end of World War One, than were, were killed during the war. So we're talking of at least 50 million people. Um, 500 million were infected by uh, Spanish flu, at least 50 million died, so really horrendous. And obviously if you go back even further in time, uh, you've got the Black Death, um, particularly across Europe. So during the 14th century, uh, really just wiping out possibly up to half of Europe's population at that time, something in the region of about 25 million people um, within a four-year period, you know, design, uh, dying of the the Black Death. I suppose the other one more recently is we've had um, HIV AIDS, um, which has, has infected um, a, a really very high number of people so somewhere maybe you know up to around 100 million people affected by HIV, um, resulting in somewhere between 25 to 50 million people uh, dying from uh, AIDS-related diseases. And you know there is a geographical element to that because those countries with the highest rates of infection, HIV, and the AIDS-related deaths. Um, are in countries in sub-Saharan Africa, so countries like uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and so on. Ooh, that's quite interesting. 
Now, the World Health Organization has officially given the coronavirus um, its name, a bit of a, a code name, um, COVID-19 is what it's called. I'm sure that's not going to stop people calling it the coronavirus, though. But um, it, the idea that this has now become you know, a serious public health concern, and this is um, so it, it has been given this official title, COVID-19. Um, <clears throat> okay, so thinking about that then, we, we've got some really good geographical mapping, um, uh, sort of interactive maps available to, to just look at the, the geography of the coronavirus. And what is currently out there is through the University of Southampton. And this research from the, um, from the University of Southampton is on what's called the um, World Pop website. In fact, this is up on the um, Southampton University website as of the end of January. And it is really, well, World Pop, it's, um, <clears throat> it's all about trying to look at, at numbers, um, mapping things, really. They say the World Pop works to ensure that every person is mapped and counted in decision making. So there's loads of data there using different data sources um, to try and um, analyse things. And what the report shows is where, where outside China, where's most at risk from this global spread of the virus? Um, Bangkok in Thailand is shown to be top of the at-risk list at the moment. Um, and this is all based on air travel uh, and how interconnected countries are. Now, this is really important in, in geography because one of the things that we, we study is globalisation, um, which you know, can be defined as it's a process. We be, we're becoming more interconnected um, because we're trading more, we've got better communications, better transport links, and so on. Now, one, one thing that we can be looking at here is how disease you know, it can also um, be interconnected between different countries. So whereas in the past countries, it would have taken a lot longer for things like pandemics to, to spread. We know that they spread back in the beginning of the 20th century with, with the influenza outbreak, but we, we didn't have the same level of connectedness that we, we have today. So air travel particularly, um, you know, so it puts Bangkok really at risk. Uh, and that's partly because of the number of air travellers who are likely to arrive in Bangkok from uh, places in, in China. Other uh, at-risk locations um, are places like Hong Kong. Uh, that's second on the list. Taipei, which is in Taiwan, is up there as well. Sydney um, is on the list. In, Sydney's number 12 on the list. New York is number 16. London is number 19. Um, so there's about 30 different international cities that are, are ranked in that research. Now, in addition to that, they've also put countries, you know, what countries are at risk from the, the global spread. Thailand's up there, number one, Japan, number two, Hong Kong, number three. USA's number six on the list. Um, Australia's 10th, uh, UK is 17th. So, you know, that really shows the, the how switched on to globalisation some of these places are. So if you look at the UK, for example... Um, you know, major international hub airport of Heathrow, huge amounts of um, air traffic, travellers um, using Heathrow uh, uh, as, a, as a sort of 
a point they might fly into, might fly out of, but you know, you've got the, these connections that are being, being made. Um, within China itself, the mainland of China, you've got several very big high-risk cities there. So we know that Wuhan is, the, um, is at the heart of it, but we've got other cities there like Beijing and Shanghai, uh, Guangzhou, and so on, um, that are, that again, are thought to be very heavily at risk from the coronavirus. What are we gonna do now? And, you know, it might be at times like this that we're thinking, well, you know, have we, have we got too much globalization? Are we too interconnected if it's allowing um, disease to, to spread in this sort of way? Now, one of the ways that, that geographers might measure globalization is through the AT uh, Kearney index um, and this looks at a, well, it looks at four main main things actually to calculate it works out an index and like a ranking in which countries uh, uh, come highest on there Singapore actually the the data I'm looking at Singapore back in 2015 uh, was coming out uh, at the as the highest but it would look at things like technological uh, connectivity, but also personal contact. So the amount of travel um, that's going on, how economically integrated countries uh, might be, but also political engagement as well, how far a country participates in different international treaties and organisations and so on. Um, so yeah, well the list, the UK is at number 12, the US is at number three, um, we've got Canada there at number six, um, Australia's there at, at number number eight. So, um, you know, this is a way of, of trying to just analyse, really, how interconnected countries are. Now, <clears throat> the other thing that has uh, happened this week, uh, we've had a news report that actually says that the, the pandemic could potentially spread to about two-thirds of the world's population if we, we don't aren't able to control it. Um, and this is coming from Professor Gabriel um, Luing, Luang, uh, who is Chair of Public Health Medicine at Hong Kong University. This was uh, reported in the UK um, in the Guardian newspaper. And it basically says that it, we, we, we don't really know at the moment. Um, we, we don't know exactly how um, how what the the infection rate could be. So it might be that the average person, you know, someone contracts coronavirus, could go on to transmit it to to maybe two, two point five other people, which gives what they call an attack rate somewhere between sixty and eighty um, percent. Now at the moment we've got something like ninety nine percent of the cases are in China. So it's absolutely uh, this is an emergency. Um, for China, um, but how you know how is that going to translate to the re rest of the world? Um, back at the end of January, and this was uh, uh, the professor writing in the medical journal The Lancet. Um, it was that the outbreaks were were growing exponentially within China, um, and you know the 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 lag effect. It would affect other countries globally. Uh, maybe a matter of weeks or maybe even a couple of months um, after it has peaked uh, within, within China.
Now, in my opinion, one of the best um, online tools for uh, looking at the coronavirus geographically is the the GIS and uh, GIS and data uh, website. This is actually um, through John Hopkins University, John Hopkins University in the in the USA, and this is showing. Um, it's really an amazing global map, um, which clearly shows that where the the outbreak has has begun. Um, with numbers, you know, and this is updated constantly. So uh, total numbers in mainland China, total numbers in other countries, total number of deaths, and also the total number of people that have recovered from it. Um, it is looking pretty global at the moment. Big emphasis on um, East Asia. And um, interestingly, as I think I might have mentioned earlier, the two continents that, according to this research, and this was this is updated uh, extremely regularly, uh, the two continents that are completely out of uh, the loop presently for the coronavirus are South America and Africa. So everywhere else um, does have some um, level of um, people with. Uh, confirmed cases of coronavirus. Um, so, you know, from a geography point of view, there we go. We've got Africa and South America, probably much less globalised than than Asia, Europe, North America and, um, and Australasia. Um, so that's where we are. I just wanted to, to let you know that um, d- despite everything else, this is a, it is a good way to study geography and to think about how we can um, maybe view it through the lens of globalisation. Anyway, I shall finish off there, just a short one. We might um, revisit this at some point in the future, who knows? Anyway, Geography Ninja, saying goodbye for now. (laughs) 